let's dive into the message now. I um, was thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. We survived Thanksgiving. Uh, we had uh, over 20, we had right at 20 guests. We had a couple that had to back out, but we were planning for 22 uh, guests of Heather's family and friends to join us on Thanksgiving. And Tuesday, when Heather and I drove into our, uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we drove up to our driveway, and we live on a corner lot, and there was a kind of old gray silver car. It, it wasn't the worst car in the world. It wasn't the best car in the world, but it was just a car, and Heather looked at that and said, we have 22 people coming, four dogs, two cats, and probably a ton of cars. What's that car doing there? What, what's, there's all these vacant places. We have a vacant corner lot on the opposite side, all these places that people could park. And so we're starting to wonder, what's the deal? I said, okay, uh, let's wait to see what happens. Let's wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday. We'll see if it's still there. Wake up tomorrow, the next day, Wednesday, it's still there. And so Heather, she gets after it. She goes neighbor to neighbor. She starts knocking on doors, and she doesn't want to spoil anybody's, you know, Thanksgiving, but she's like, is this one of your family members? She went to the next door, two doors down, the, across the street and over, across the side street and over. I mean, she tried everyone, and one of the neighbors said, hey, I know a police officer, uh, a friend of mine, we'll have him come out and check things out. And so police officer came and checked this out. I stayed out of this. I was inside the whole time. I didn't do any of this. I just stayed inside. Uh, the police officer came and met with, met with Heather outside, and uh, these are just, this is Heather's telling me, because this is secondhand information. Um, the police officer said, hey, um, you know, I, I really, well, I, you know what, we could tow this because it's within that 15 feet if you want us to tow it. She goes, I'm not one to ruin anybody's Thanksgiving. It's just, we can't figure out, it looks like an abandoned car. And so it, we just, we have all these guests coming. He goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, I think I, you know, we're, we're going to have it, we're going to have it towed. So he calls and he has it towed. And we went on, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, had a wonderful uh, Sunday morning after Thanksgiving with all of you the next week. And then Monday, um, I thought, you know, um, after I took Heather to school, I drove her to school. She had to make alternate arrangements to get home that day because I had a meeting. Because uh, we were with one car at the time. And that was because um, our truck was being worked on by Tony Fuhrer. And so I, I goes, I need to call Tony. So I called Tony. I said, Tony, any updates on the, on, the, on the truck? And he said, yeah, it's not good news. It's worse than why I thought I'm going to need it for the, for the week. And I was like, okay, that's good. Um, sure. And he was like, I got, a, I got a better loaner for you if you would like to use it. And I said, um, I said, sure. I said it would really be helpful to have a loaner because I had to take Heather today and, you know, she had to find alternate arrangements home. And he says, he said, I, I, I didn't say a, I said a better loaner. Um, he goes, you got the car, right? And, and, and I said, what car? And he says, the, the, I left you a car. Um, and he says, actually, Logan left you a car. Logan drove a car for you. Tony goes to our church. He's a board member. He's also my mechanic. And he, and he said, I left you a car for you. And um, I said, no, I, there's, there was no car. There was no car. Remember, I wasn't a part of this. I kind of was not forgotten about it. And I said, there's no car. He goes, are you messing with me? I said, I'm not messing with you, Tony. Or do you got pastors that lied to you in the past? I don't know. I mean, he goes, he goes, no, are you messing with me? I said, I'm not messing with you. I don't have a car. You, you didn't leave me a car. He goes, I left you a car with keys under a mat. It's, it, it's there. And I said, oh, no, Tony, I had your car towed. Or Heather had your car towed. Heather had your car towed. And he's like, 
are you messing with me? And I said, I- I'm really not messing with you. He goes, seriously, we joke a lot and stuff, and because that sarcasm is Tony's love language. And he goes, are you, are you messing with me? I said, I'm, I don't know what else to say. I'm not messing with you. We called. He goes, who towed it? And I said, well, we called the police. And the police came, and he goes, so anyway, long story short, he said, I know about every person that tows cars in Reno County except for one, and that's the one that towed your car. So... Anyway, uh, the the thing about this was, there's a point to it, is there was no room for it. There was no room for this car. We needed it out of the way. It didn't really, it was kind of out of place, and it didn't fit. Kind of didn't fit the neighborhood. Tony's giving me a hard time about that. Oh, my cars aren't good enough for the pastor. Um, It's the story of Christmas. No room, out of place, didn't fit. When Jesus came, there was no room. Luke 2, 6 through 7, we know the story so well. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus went on to live his life as a nomad, as an out-of-place person as it says in um, Luke nine fifty seven, as they were once walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And Jesus didn't fit this neighborhood. He was an outcast. And in John eighteen thirty six, Jesus' own words, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. There was no room for Jesus. He didn't fit, and he was out of place. So it shouldn't surprise us that this is what shaped his gospel, that Jesus is for the outcast. He's for the out of place. He's for the ones who do not fit. You might be saying, well, doesn't Jesus want everyone to be a part of his kingdom? Doesn't he want everyone invited to the party? Of course he does. Of course he does. The, the, the feast has been spread, the invitation is free, and everyone is invited to accept his invitation. But not everyone does. Everyone's invited into his kingdom, and he wants everyone to be there. I don't know if you remember growing up on the playground and you picked teams, and uh, you know, for some of us, those are bad memories. You know, you got picked last, and, and if you got picked last, that was the worst you know, I was just, you just, it was a terrible feeling, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. Jesus said, in my kingdom, the, the last will be first and the first will be last. Well, doesn't Jesus want everyone? Well, yes, he wants everyone to be at his kingdom. He wants everyone to be invited to the party. But what Jesus knows is this, not everyone's going to receive the invitation. And, and honestly, many of us came to Christ, not when we're at our best, but we came to Christ when we were at our worst when we were down and when we were broken and when we, when we knew that we needed him. And in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, this was the case. Jesus was having dinner with the Pharisees, at, with one of the Pharisees at a home when this story was told about the kingdom. And I, I want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 14. 
This story of Jesus with the Pharisees, as many times he met with them, because the invitation was for everyone. These religious leaders, they didn't get it. They, over and over, they rejected the good news. But Jesus loved them. He got frustrated with them. He told them straight up. And he gave them the truth. But the invitation was for them. And in verse 12, kind of a little few verses before is where I want to start. Then Jesus said to the host, or the Pharisee, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, or your relatives. Some of you may be thinking, wish he would have shared this passage of Scripture before the Thanksgiving that we had. Save some awkward Thanksgiving family conversations and stuff. Or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. In Jesus' day, and in Jewish culture, the reason that you invited guests over was really for one of two reasons. Uh, the first reason was it was payback. I mean, you, you were probably invited over to someone's home, and so you returned the favor, and so you're paying them back for, their, for them having you over. And it was kind of, you know, you, do, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And the other reason that you might have invited guests over was so they would be indebted to you. So at some point in the future, you could be like, remember? <laughs> remember what I, I did for you? It's now time to cash in on that. And in Jesus' day, it was improper for the poor and the disabled to come to public banquets. And by the way, women too. But Jesus, but Jesus commanded us to put them at the top of the list because they can't pay us back. That's why he was for the ones who couldn't do anything. Knowing that we can't do anything to pay him back is why he loves us and why he did all that he did for us, knowing that we were helpless uh, without a shepherd. It's one of the reasons why with our Christmas offering, we're heavily focused on compassion first. We're, we're giving a lot of money away. Uh, Two-thirds of it is not staying here. If we make it to the last third and we're able to do the berm and the paint, great. But if we're not able to, that's okay. Our first concern is we want to unleash compassion and we want to help others. Those that can't pay us back, we want to help them because that's what Jesus did. And yet, in the Bible commentary I was reading this week, I just wrote this quote word for word. It says, our modern world is very competitive, and it's easy for God's people to become more concerned about profit and loss than they are about sacrifice and service. Instead, we ask, what are we going to get out of this? Or what's in it for me? Some might be thinking, what's in it for me in the Christmas offering? Or, well, it's, it's the same way when we give our gifts to our children and our family What's in it for us is we get to make them smile. We get to, we get to, put, a, we get to put a joy and, a, and a, a bounce in their step. So this banquet is the story that Jesus tells. And in verse 15, when one of those at the table were with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. He was a confident religious leader. And he said this kind of bragging on himself. Uh, there was a, a, a false confidence, if you will, that, hey, you know, I know, I know uh, I'm re very religious. I know the scriptures. I know the traditions. Uh, I'm in the synagogue every week. I, I mean, I, I do the right things. And isn't it great, those of us who are going to be, you know, at the table, the marriage supper, you know, you know that are going to be at, the, at that kingdom table, when, when, isn't it great that we're going to be there? And Jesus goes on to say, who's really going to be there? 
And in verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet. He's telling this story. And he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to all those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. In the culture of the Jewish tradition and in Jesus' day, when invitations went out, you didn't do last-minute invitations. You didn't, Heather and I are several times, we've done this last few weeks, we've talked to someone's like, hey, you want to go out? And, and the answer is usually no because they've already got plans because it's the very last second or they don't like us, one or the other. We're going with that it's, that they didn't have, you know, they had alternate plans. But in Jesus' day, when you got an invitation um, and you were invited to a banquet, you, you, preparations had to be made. You, you knew that the guests were coming. They had already said that they were coming because, I mean, you had to determine how much you were going to butcher, how many cows you were going to kill, or how many lambs you were going to slaughter, or whatever it was going to be. You had to know how much to prepare for, and so you knew, you knew who was coming. At the time of the banquet, verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. They had already said yes. They had already said yes to the invitation. And, and now the banquet's ready, so he's sending the servant back out and saying, tell them the banquet's ready now, now they come. The, the banquet they've already accepted the invitation to. You see, the, in, the intention was there, but then when it came time, they began to come up with excuses. And they didn't attend. I don't know if you've ever done the Facebook invite or if you've been invited by a Facebook invite, but they're kind of worthless because there's a yes, which that's helpful. There's a no, that's helpful. And there is a maybe. Check maybe. That is not helpful. That's basically saying if something better comes along, I'm going to that. If you're the best option, I'll be there. Or I really don't want to come, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's not helpful. And, and what these excuses begin to pour in because they were basically doing that. They had been invited. They had said yes to the invitation, but now the banquet table was ready, and now the excuses begin to flow. Verse 18. But they all, got to put this words closer, or you know what? I could go back here where I can read it easier. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I can't come now. The second the second one. There you go. We're good. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I can't make it now. And still another said, I just got married. I can't come. Probably the best excuse. But don't you think they knew they were getting married? I mean, they knew all along they were going to get married. I mean, that's the one kind of boggles my mind. Good excuse, but really poorly planned out or, or not, real, not real bright, one or the other. These same excuses, these same three excuses 2,000 years ago are the same excuses that are today. Because you can break these excuses into three things. The cares of this world. They were more concerned about the things than the current concerns and the cares of this world. Or the deceitfulness of riches pursuing after wealth and riches. Third, seeking after the pleasures of life. And those are still, 2,000 years ago that was the case. That's still the case today. It's troubled me, if I'm honest, if I can just be honest with you as a pastor and 
I, I pray that you're, I, I'm not meaning to spend time offending here, but I'm just going to share from my heart a little bit this morning. It, it's bothered me the last couple years as we've been in this pandemic that we're more concerned about our schools and businesses staying open than we are the church staying open. And I'm not anti-business. I'm not anti-school. Maybe it's just because I'm a biased pastor, but everything has seemed to be labeled essential in, in our world except the church. Everything else seems to be essential while the church seems to be a commodity. And I'm reminded that, yes, we need bread on our table and we need essentials, but I'm reminded of the words of Jesus that said, man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God, that every word that comes from his mouth, that's what we are to live on. Let's stop making Christ and his church, whom he died for, a non-essential commodity. I wonder sometimes if, if God could be grieved that our country is so rich, but we're morally bankrupt. I wonder if it grieves the heart of God that we're so focused on wealth and it becomes to the place of greed. We concern ourselves with balance sheets and bank accounts, and there's nothing wrong with with balance sheets and bank accounts. So a business needs to look at those. Heather gets really frustrated with me around Christmas especially uh, because I'm a guy that looks at our bank account online every day. I'm making sure that there's no fraud or fraudulent activity, and I'm nosy. Um, I mean, it's both of those. But she's like, I can't get anything by you. It's hard to buy for you because you constantly know exactly when something's been spent. It's not a bad thing to look at bank accounts, but what about our spiritual bank accounts? Jesus said, what does it profit to gain the whole world yet forfeit our very soul? The most important thing, as we talked about in our last series, is, is our soul. And maybe the pleasures of life might be our biggest hurdle. We have so many options and opportunities today that they didn't have in Jesus' day. Life was so simple. Even 30, 40 years ago, life was so much more simple than what it is today. We're so much more affluent today. Everyone has more access, more opportunities, more, more things to be able to do, and more options. So many good things that we're in danger of missing out on the best things. Friends, Jesus is not anti-business, anti-money or pleasure. There's nothing wrong with owning a business, examining purchases, or spending an evening with our wives. But if the good keeps us from doing the best things, then they're not good things anymore. So many good things. But if the good things keep you from the best things, then they become bad things. Let me, let me say that again. If the good things keep you from the best things, then they become bad things. Jesus tells this parable of all these excuses, but Jesus doesn't give up. He never quits. He, he wants to invite everyone to the banquet. And so Jesus goes on to tell the story and says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Think about it for a moment. Uh, you have a big party or let's even bigger than that, a wedding. 
You, 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 you throw a wedding for your, for your son or your daughter. A lot of preparations go into that wedding. A lot of invitations go out. A lot of people said yes. You've set the banquet table for, and you've set the place settings for the amount of people who RSVP'd. And, and the day of the wedding or the day before, about 75% of them say, oh, I'm not coming now. I have another wedding to go to, or I'm going to this. You would be angry. You would be upset too because you said yes but you didn't really intend to go where you didn't go. And Jesus is saying this is very frustrating for the owner because they had said yes. They, their, intent was, their, intent, their intent was obviously not to, but the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servants, go out into the roads, go out into the country lanes, and compel them. I, there's one translation that says make, and so I made sure to use this, because you can't make anyone do anything. You can draw a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. We've heard, we've heard that. You, you can't make anyone. So I think the word best is to compel people, to persuade people, to, to compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. The feast has been spread. The invitation is free. Everyone has been invited. But not everyone is invited will come. And so Jesus said, my mission is this. We don't stop going until we get another. We don't stop going until we get another. You know the parable of the lost sheep. There was 99. 99 there. And Jesus said, I'm not satisfied until I get the last one. Jesus' heart is to keep going after the lost one, to invite everyone. And friends, Christmas is a great time. It's a great invitation. Christmas is the greatest invitation. Jesus coming to this God, coming in the flesh to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring new life, to bring eternal life to us. It's, it's the best invitation. So this is the best time. Christmas is the best time to invite people to church, invite others to church, invite friends to church. And we've made these little cards, and we want you to use them. They're out there in each of the four years. They're on tables or desks. There are other places. Friends, I will, please use these cards. It's a great time. People will come at the invitation. They say about 75% if they know you, will come at the invitation. If, they invite, if you invite someone to church, that they'll come to church. Christmas is a great time to invite people, and on especially Christmas Eve. People are, they're all about traditions. And December 24th, we have two services at 3.30 and 5, and we want you to come, but don't come alone. Bring friends, bring family. If, if they say no, then go get strangers. Go invite your busboys and, and your table waiters and, and, and the store clerks. But give invitations. Invite people to come. This is the good news that God wants to share, that he wants his house to be full. I think about my friend John Hauser. I've just got to know in the last couple of years. John is uh, now kind of consults other pastors, but he was the pastor. God called him 20 years ago to Fargo, North Dakota. You don't go to Fargo, North Dakota, unless you're called, <laughs> unless God calls you there. Who signs up? Send me to Fargo, North Dakota, God. I want that assignment. 
He sent him, his wife, and his daughter 20 years ago to plant and start a church there. There's better places to plant and start a church, but he knew, and his wife knew, Terry, that God had called them to go to Fargo, North Dakota. So they went in obedience to Fargo, North Dakota. And 20 years later, that church, just the three of them, the two of them and their daughter, was the largest church in our, in our North American denomination. It was running 2,500 people. And, I, and many pastors and different ones have asked, what was the secret? What it was, what it, he goes, we refuse to spend one dime on advertising out in our community. We were not going to put anything in the paper. We weren't going to put anything up on an electric billboard. We were not going to put, we were not going to spend one dime. And we said this from the beginning. We weren't going to spend money on outside advertising. You are the ambassadors of Christ. You are Christ's ambassadors as if he's making his appeal through you. And so if this church, he said to his people, if this church is going to grow, it's not going to be because of me, and it's not going to be because of advertising. It's first of all going to be God, but it's going to be God working through you to do the inviting. You are going to be the ones. Friends, that is a great message for us today. You're not going to see any messages out on our electronic billboards. You're not going to see, you might see a little sign out here. We thought about putting yard signs and things, and that's not a bad thing if, if you're the one doing But we want to give you a little tool to, to help invite people to hear the Christmas story, and it's going to be good news. And I tell you, it works. Inviting works. Linda and Rick Roberts, they're inviters. Many of you know them, a part of our church. And I just thought quickly, just like that, of three people, I thought one of our best uh, baptism testimonies uh, was a few years ago on Easter when Caitlin gave her life to Christ because she accepted the invitation of Linda to come to church. And she didn't know that that was going to change her life, totally change her life. Last year we passed out when we did online Christmas Eve services, uh, we passed out these Christmas boxes and Linda took the boxes across the street and to some of her neighbors, and they didn't, no one came on Christmas Eve at the invitation of those boxes. And you think, well, that was just a waste of time and a waste of money. Four months later, a couple and their, and their family came to our church because of the Christmas box that was given to them to come to Christmas. They're still a part of our church today. I don't have their permission to share their names, and so I'm not going to do that and embarrass them. I don't have Rick and Linda's permission, by the way, either, but they're going to forgive me. And, and the last thing is, is just this last week, I had someone, I don't have their permissions, so I won't say their names, but I had a lady while I was raking leaves come up and said, hey, do you know me? I said, maybe. And, and she said, well, we've just come the last couple weeks at the invitation of the Roberts. The Roberts invited us, and we've been, you met me, and I remember I, was, I met him back there in that far back corner in the second service. I was like, yeah, I know who you are. And so now I have their names. I have it written down, and I know their names. They're my neighbors three doors down. People will come at the invitation. And I've wondered how many invitations has Rick and Linda have given that people didn't come. I mean, it's a percentage thing as well, too. You just, you keep going. That's what Jesus was like telling the story of, yeah, there's going to be no. There's going to be people that aren't going to respond to the invitation. But I want you to keep going until my house is full. Until the last one is there. And we're inviting people this year, we're just simply to come home for Christmas. We don't invite them to come home for Christmas. We believe this is God's family and God's place and God's home that his church uh, gathers as a people, and we want to invite people to home. So invite people to come home for Christmas. And if I could talk just for a moment 
to those who are joining us online, who I'm so thankful for and I love and glad that you're a part of us. But I want to just talk directly to you for a moment. As your pastor, I want to invite you back home. I want to invite you to come home for Christmas. It's time to come home. Christ didn't design his church for the couch. He designed his church to gather as a people. And I'm mindful of this too, and I want to be sensitive. While I'm saying it's time to go home and I'm saying no excuses, I'm, I get it if you're only going to the grocery store, if you're only going to the gas station, and you're only going to work, and then you're coming home. I get it. I, I get that. Or if, you're, or if you can't physically come, I get it. I'm so glad Pastor Bones and others can watch us online. I'm thankful for that. But if you're physically able and, and you're going to all these other places, I mean, our schools are open, our businesses are open, uh, the churches should be open. I've watched throughout this fall and I've been with great attention. I'm glad it's back open because you know your pastor is a big sports nut. He loves sports. And, and no, one, no one's more excited about, you know, the Chiefs-Broncos game tonight than I am. I mean, I can't think of anyone and, and unless they get, start, get blown out. It's going to go bad real south. But I'm hoping for a good game, hoping for a good game. I mean, if you know I love sports. If someone gives me a ticket right now, you know, after soon as second service is over, I'm out of here, I'm driving to Kansas City, and I'm going to be at Arrowhead tonight. But I say this, our stadiums are full. Arrowhead is going to be full tonight. That church is going to be full. All the games you watched yesterday, they're full. The, the stadiums and arenas are full while the churches across the nation are half empty. I, I think this invitation to say this is a time to come home. And again, if you're in that category and you don't feel safe and, and, you're, and you're just going to the gas station and the grocery store, you're living by your convictions. But if you're going everywhere else, I believe it's time to come home. And, and there's something in it for you because when we come home, there's something about being home. All of January series is welcome home. We're inviting people, we're inviting you to come back to welcome home. And, and some of the messages we're going to share at Christmas. First of all, Christmas Eve, we're, in ask, we're inviting people to come home for Christmas. And we're going to share a clear message of the gospel. That when we couldn't get home, we wanted to, we couldn't get home, God brought home to us. He brought Jesus to us. That's the message of Christmas Eve. I'm giving it away. There'll be more to it. But that's the main message. January, we're going to say welcome home. And the first message is this. Home is a place of rest. Many of us, you're tired. You're, you're, you're exhausted. The pandemic and everything else has been exhausting. There's things in life that are exhausting. January 2nd is come home because home is a place of rest. Home is a place where we... We can breathe where we can kick the, the, our heels up, where we can lean back in the recliner, and, and we can come home to family. Home is a place where we grow the best. I mean, you did your best growing from your early childhood to 18 because you were in a, a home environment. It was a place to, to call home. Home is a place to come back to. I'm so excited our girls, they leave and they're gone, but they, they come back. Home is a place. We're going to talk about that in January. Home is a, is a place to belong. It's a place where there's belonging, a place that each of us belongs. We belong and we encourage one another when we're home together. And then finally, home is a place of transformation. That's the series I've given you January. That, that's where we're going. But I'm just, I want to encourage you, friends, 
that it's time to come home. It's time to gather as God's people. It's time to extend an invitation to everyone who will listen. To go into the highways and byways and compel them that my house may be full. It's time to fill the houses of God. And the end goal is not to fill this room so there can be rear ends in the seats. That's just a means to an end. The end goal is not to pack this room, but the end goal is to pack the kingdom of God and depopulate hell. That is the mission. That is the goal. And you're needed. We want to welcome you home. We, we want to see you. We want to ex- see experience uh, home. And I would say this. I knew when I said this that there would be an objection of some people thinking, you know, this makes no sense to me because I didn't grow up in a good home life. Home is not a place of refuge for me. Home is not a place where I, I avoid home. I, I try to go any other place because home was not a good place for us. You're the best to come home to. The church is for the fatherless. It's for the widow. It's for those who are farthest from God. It's the family that you never had. That's what the church is. The church is the big family of God. And if you don't have a good home, you didn't have a good home life or a good family upbringing, that's what the church is for. The church is a place to come home. The church is a place to belong. The church is a place to kick up your heels and to be accepted just the way that you are to come home. Do you pray with me, Father God? Lord, I pray, Father, that you would take the words that have been shared today and from your passage and your scripture and your story. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would move in our, in our being, in our thoughts, in our thinking. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everyone who is watching, everyone that is here would know that church is a place for them to belong. Church is a place for them to be welcomed home. Church is a place for them to come with all their flaws, their habits, their hang-ups, their, their sins, their, fa- their flailings, and to allow you, Lord, by your love, transform us into the children of God that you created us to be. Thank you for sending your son to come for us, to bring home to us when we, we could not make our way to you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I, the greatest invitation today is for you to come home spiritually, for you to come home to Jesus. And if you're on the couch or if you're in this room, but you haven't come home to Jesus, or if you've, you, it's time to come back home and come back to Jesus, you just pray this prayer in your heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, I've been away from home. I've traveled farther than I planned to get from you, but Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your invitation for me is to come back home and it's to be a part of your family. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Lord, make your home in my heart in a place that you want to dwell. Lord, we we love you. We thank you for your love for us today. And Father, Lord, just help us to be a people as we go into Christmas. Now to welcome people home, to let them know that if they are in places where they don't feel like they belong, that this is a place that they can belong, even before they believe that this is a place of acceptance and belonging in your kingdom and in your family. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do, and we give you the praise. 
in Jesus' name, amen.